BBCC episode 49, my realization of the day. Much like Evil Dead 2, I think I'm going to have to retcon part of my Ash's bad dream theory uh, after watching this film. It's either that or the edibles are just keeping me from piecing it together properly. But it's all good, guys. We're going to work through this. So let's go ahead and start the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Three weeks in a row. I told you the podcast was back. It's your boy Devon Taylor, aka underscore daddy disco on Twitter and Instagram. And this is the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. This is a horror podcast where we uh, focus in on subgenres and our favorite franchises within the horror genre. And uh, we are right in the thick of covering the Evil Dead franchise for Necronoctober. I was really proud of that one. And uh, yeah, this is uh, we are talking the third entry into that franchise. It is Ash vs. the Evil Dead. We're uh, going on a little time travel adventure. Uh, lots of shenanigans ahead. And of course, I do have a guest with me to uh, keep me company in medieval times. Our guest can be found writing on their website, Welcome to Cinema Land, or baking pierogies in the kitchen. One name only like Beyonce. Welcome Sloan to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Uh, super excited to have you also in my living room. I love Ooh. it when I get to do in-person recordings. It just feels better. I feel like everything just flows a lot easier, and it's easier to edit, too, usually. So do love having you here, and um, we actually got to watch the movie together. That's a first, besides not counting. Okay, never mind. It's not really a first. <laughs> I was about to say it was a first, but then I was like, okay, no, I have had other people, like, we actually get to sit down and watch the movie together, record afterwards, but no, it's actually not first, but uh, it's a short list. It's a short right. list. It's, right. it's five. It's like, uh, it's like, what are those jackets on uh, SNL? Yeah, yeah, you have a jacket. I All mean, right, I feel special. Dan Ackroyd's going to appear out of nowhere, and uh, Steve Martin ensues. <laughs> It's reversible and dry clean only. It's a very nice jacket. But uh, very happy to have you here. And, um, you know, I was going to lead off asking a question, but I already know the answer to it that, you know, do you watch movie Stoned? We uh, did that already. <laughs> um, yes. So so how often do you watch <laughs> movie Stoned? Like, do you, are you a person like, are you a person that's like more of an occasion or a certain movie? Or do you just, are you like me and you just like get high all the time? Um. It depends. Sometimes I will do it deliberately. Like I will say, I want to watch this specific movie mm -hmm. while high. So I'll either bring edibles to the theater. I'm sorry. <laughs> or my vape pen. Cause with a mask also, on, dude, with a mask, I was on, I was in the front row. You hotbox yourself. With literally, the mask on. <laughs> literally. I mean, it's vapor. So not technically, but oh man, like, yeah, no. it has to either be that or like I'll be so stoned and I just want to turn on something and it's always a comfort watch. Mm -hmm. Kind of just like get you into a specific headspace and, you, you know, and it feels like a warm blanket in that aspect. 
And then you uh, log on to youtube.com and your recommended videos are compilation of the weirdest TikToks I've ever seen. And you feel like you entered another fucking dimension and you're like, Probably should have picked the movie. There's uh, <laughs> there's some very interesting corners of YouTube that I forget about. Yeah, I, I mean, I watch a lot of YouTube. Like, I've watched more YouTube than, like, most people. Just mainly because I like watching, like, you know, rankings and lists and, and out, you know, film analysis, quote-unquote. Um, so, it's like, yeah, I mean, I watch a lot of that stuff, too. But then, like, I do forget that there's, you know, corners where it's like, you know three-hour ASMR videos of someone eating a cucumber. Like, there's a... I've done some hypnosis. Yeah, and it's like, there's... Like, YouTube reminds me that I'm like, you know what? No matter what you make, there's an audience for everything. Absolutely. You know? And it's like, I mean, I, I guess if you think about it, YouTube is kind of the closest we have to, like, Tumblr now. Like, cause yeah. like Tumblr, since they took away porn, nobody's there anymore. Exactly, but, which was so stupid. But if you kind of think about it, like YouTube is is kind of like a more is like just the the video uh, portion of of Tumblr. Man, miss the prime time of Tumblr days. Like, oh yeah, like twenty, like like two thousand nine to like twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah, that's like that's like prime time for Tumblr. Like, yeah, I was still on there very actively until two thousand sixteen. But, like, I still, I would, like, I had my niche, so I live blogged SNL every single week, and I was Mm. followed by the NBC SNL Tumblr, and they would frequently retweet me and, like, blow me up, so I was, like, SNL Tumblr famous. Ooh. (laughs) See, I was, I was more of a a voyeur for, for most of my tumbling days. Cause in my in my house we didn't get like a uh, a desktop like family computer for a while. Yeah. Um. Cause like nobody else in my family really cared for like computer stuff and like the internet and like things like that. Yeah. Except for me, and so we didn't have like a desktop for a while. I didn't get I didn't like get my first laptop which I had to purchase myself. Oh, wait, no. I think it was like a cause like since laptops were like pretty expensive, it was like. I had to pay for half of it, and then my parents paid for half of it. Something like that. So that didn't happen until, like, my sophomore or junior year of high school. So my internet for, you know, uh, 2008 on was uh, was my PSP. Oh, nice. PSPs had Wi-Fi capability. Um, people people sleep on PSPs. I mean, I know <laughs> people love their DSs now and, like, the, 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 uh, what, the Switches. Yeah, PSPs are underrated because you could do internet, could watch movies in widescreen because it actually had a widescreen. The way David Lynch intended. The way that David Lynch, <laughs> the way that Martin Scorsese wanted me to watch The Irishman was on a PSP. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were they were underrated. That's where I that's where I started watching porn was on a PSP. Was <laughs> was I, I I I could get the neighbor's Wi-Fi. Oh my god! From from my room. <laughs> Like my my I'd, I'd have my 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 bed by the window and and but that's also um how I found Tumblr and maybe but it was like hard to like post things so like mainly I just like looked at stuff and like commented on things in the in the Tumblr days I I didn't have a very active blog myself I have regrets but mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a different yeah <laughs> where how do we get on Tumblr anyways. <laughs> 
that stoner that brain for exactly you. Exactly what I asked myself <laughs> every single day from 2010 to 2016. How, How did I get, get on Tumblr today? How did I get to Tumblr today? Um, now yeah, it's th- replaced by Twitter. It's just. Now it's replaced by Twitter, yeah, which is how we met. We were we were Twitter <laughs> friends, and then now you you live out here in sunny California, which is awesome. Um, I think I can't remember if it was um, the first time. I don't know if it's. I feel like I was following you before we did the the table read for it, or or maybe we hadn't. I, I can't remember. remember. That might have been whenever I started following you. I that think when we that did that table read for yeah. uh, for Pond the Pendulum, we did Carrie Fukunaga's um, script of It Chapter One was so much fun. Like, oh you God, literally so killed it as Pennywise. Like, Thank you. Sloan was slobbering and everything. <laughs> I really was. You were dressed up. You had fake blood on you and you were had drooling. Balloons. <laughs> you had balloons. Like, like, you were by far the MVP of the show. It was so fun. <laughs> That that whole table read was really fun because like blast. He should do more. Yeah, I love doing uh, table read stuff. Um, I've done a bunch with uh, scripts gone wild. I do uh, them on um, if you know him. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, They do like uh, YouTube ones and you like and it's a drinking game too. Oh, I love that. That's what I do on Clubhouse. Yeah yeah. We uh, we we do our little drink drinking game uh club reads yeah they're they're so fun i love doing like i'm not a like when people always ask me if i'm like an actor and i'm like no and i don't really care for it however i do love doing table reads because it's like my that's like the one time that i will i wanted to start doing some like in-person ones that would be so fun maybe do them for the podcast and like start sprinkle them in next year i just gotta find a place actually i could record at my bar anyways but yeah, you or like just like put a bunch of cushions on the floor and we can all like that would be fun sit too. around the table and make it really like cozy and intimate. That actually would be a lot of fun. Be really intimate, I but I feel like we need fondue, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody out here has a has a good fondue recipe. I know mm-hmm. Vanessa Guerrero; she likes to cook. Maybe she's got a fondue recipe. Maybe she does. Hopefully well, she does. We'll figure it out. But um, but yeah, I remember having so much fun um, doing that table read. And like I was only playing Henry Bowers, so I mainly just got to watch everybody for most of it and get drunk. So it was um, that was a really good time. But um, you. But anyways, before we get to um, the movie that we're here to talk about today. Um, this is October, and Evil Dead isn't the most Halloween-y franchise, I'd say. So, I wanted to give everybody an opportunity to shout out uh, one of their uh, yearly Halloween watches. Like, is there any of them that's a tradition for you at this point? Or Yeah, so I actually only really saw this fairly recently, uh, within the last, I'd say, five years. But everyone my whole life has said, you're going to love this movie, you're going to love this movie, you need to watch this. Practical Magic mm. with Miss Sandra Bullock mm-hmm. and Nicole Kidman. Queen Nicole Kidman. Oh, I love her. It's like, I'm not going to say the joke. I just let it. <laughs> was it? It might have been about like incest porn. <laughs> because they're sisters in the movie. Yes. And I oh, like, I mean, oh. imagine the Tumblr pages on Practical Magic. Oh, you know, you search that AO3 tag and <laughs> you're going to um, get so much fanfic. <laughs> deep cut there. 
I just saw Practical Magic for the first time. Uh, I think I watched it last October. Nice. It was like a... Um, uh, me and Britt watched it one night because she was like, hey, can we watch something spooky but like not like weird or crazy? Yeah. And I was like... Not scary. All right. Spooky, not scary. Yeah, I was like, all right, we'll, we'll watch something magical. Like uh, with some spooky stuff, but uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, the the uh, midnight yeah. midnight margarita scene. Oh my so god, fun. I so love fun. it. It's just like it. The more the more you watch it, the more like meaningful it gets too. So it's like I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. like such a comfortable movie, and like I grew up as a hocus pocus ass bitch, mm. so it was like hard to shift allegiances, but. But this is like about time. this is hocus pocus with more prestige. Yes. <laughs> um, I just read somewhere the other day um, that the director said that it was intended to be darker. Oh. Um, which intrigues I me. I mean, but I also do like that it is just very this like kind of light mood. You know, it's like very like then and now and uh, yeah that type of movie. Yeah, like, it, this isn't, like, you know, like, we kind of associate, like, witches now with, like, you know, like, kind of, like, the cool bitchy witch type. Like, that's... Like the craft. Yeah, like, that's the kind of stuff now, but, like, Practical Magic, like, kind of feels like it's, like, from the 60s or something. Yeah, yeah. it has a very warm vibe. It does. It, like it's the warm. Shire. Yeah. It's warm. It's kind of got that hazy look to it. Uh, really fun. I mean, I'm just, I'm obsessed with Nicole Kidman. I love her so much. She's phenomenal. She's phenomenal. She's gorgeous. And she's like 5'10". Ugh, love it. <laughs> love it. Um, but my Halloween-y shout-out for this year is um, last week, me and Tyler, who's been on the show a couple times, and uh, his fiance, we had a little Scooby-Doo marathon last Monday. Ooh. Um, I love Scooby-Doo so much. Um, it's like very much a big part of like my spooky sensibilities now. Like, I mean, cause I mean, just oh, yeah. grew up, I mean, same, I, grew, I started watching horror movies pretty early, but like Scooby-Doo was always good same. because like I could get a spooky fix, but still watch it with like my younger sisters, you know? Exactly. So yeah. like we had all the compilation videos like on VHS exactly. and we had all the animated movies. Um, so we watched, um, we watched uh, Witch's Ghost to start because I feel like Phenomenal. that's I feel like that's the most like October feeling. Yeah, it is for sure. Of any of the Hex Scooby-Doo Girls. movies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Hex Girls, we got it's in Boston. Exactly. Or like not Boston, but like quote unquote New England. They yeah. call it uh, New Haven, I believe. It's got Tim Curry. Exactly. In it. I mean, you can't go wrong. Um, Zombie Island is still my favorite of the animated Me. movies. Me. Two, they are hotter than the Hex Girls. I will fight someone for my zombie cat women. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I mean, we have zombie cat women, zombie pirates, and it, it zombie has everything. Zombie pirates are just... It has everything in it. And like Jeffrey every, Rush is shooketh. <laughs> like, I love uh, Zombie Island so much. Like, it's a legit, like, really, like well put together like movie aside from being an animated scooby-doo movie i feel like it's just it's a really good movie like it has like this like fun mystery to it it has all the like you know things you expect from a scooby-doo movie and then you know twist it obviously with with the the real shit and um but yeah so i watch zombie island like every year as well so we watched that one and then 
one of the lesser seen ones. These are for only Scooby Doo fans. Uh, we watched uh, Scooby Doo Ghoul School. Oh shit! Well. That Ghoul School is Ghoul School is still so good. It's uh, not on the same level as the uh, late '90s, uh, early 2000s animated Scooby movies, but totally. uh, those one because that um, that's one that came out in the era without the full gang. Uh, this one, it's just Shaggy, Scooby, and Scrappy. And uh, this one came out in the late 80s around the same batch with, like, uh, the Boo Brothers yeah. and uh, the Luctant Werewolf. Oh, those ones are great. Those ones are fun. Um, a little bit sillier, not yeah, as spooky as the other ones. Um, you know, Witches, Ghosts, and Zombie Island commit yeah. to being, like, pretty spooky. Oh, yeah. I but think, this like, one, for a younger audience. Those are yeah, but they're still fun. Um, oh, yeah. I've re- I really enjoyed those ones. You um, can, like kind of climb your way up (laughs) like uh ghoul school i think is peak scrappy i know a lot of people have uh controversial (laughs) thoughts about scrappy do live action scrappy do (laughs) yeah like people just uh very divisive some people like scrappy some people don't He had the, he, he had a little he had a little buffness to him he, <laughs> he did and then when he got big like I mean I don't blame you um, I don't shame we don't kink shame on this show um, but yeah so um, good it was a it was a nice little Scooby Doo marathon um, it just like you know we had a spooky night we had some pumpkin white macadamia nut cookies that were delicious Ooh. so yeah uh, Scooby Doo is always primo Halloween it sounds spooky amazing. shit yeah. But I would say we are good and warmed up to get to the actual movie of today's episode. Army of Darkness, released in 1992, written and directed by Sam Raimi, co-written with his brother Ivan, who also worked with Ram... who also worked with Raimi on Darkman, Spider-Man 3, and Drag Me to Hell. Uh, this movie made $21.5 million on an $11 million budget, the by far the largest budget of the franchise so far. Um, this came out five years after the second one, which I found interesting. There's big gaps in between each uh, film of the trilogy, but it's interesting that it has those big gaps, but obviously like Sam Raimi still was retained throughout the entire franchise, as well as Bruce Campbell, um, you know, these days, if there's gaps in between sequels like that, they would replace the director with somebody else and, you know, maybe give them story credits or something like that. But we don't get that here, which is uh, super awesome. Um, I don't have uh, many production notes on this one. I just kind of didn't look at much of it, <laughs> um, except for um, I mentioned this on last episode that this movie, this was his idea for Evil Dead 2. He wanted yeah. to just get right into this. Yeah. And then they were like, no, 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 we want it like the first one. And he said, all right, you want it like the first one? I'm going to just make the first one again. Ha ha, gotcha. <laughs> and then then, and then he got to do um, Army of Darkness uh, five years later. So this was... Both our first time watching, like, actually from beginning to end, we, we both had similar experience of just, like, seeing this one in, like, clips. Like, where yeah. where would you catch this one? Like, when like at just, the like, hospital or, like, you know, a waiting office or waiting room at an office. I'm a little too toasty. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like, in a waiting room or, like, when I'm sick. Staying home from school, flipping through cable. 
Yeah. It's like a cable movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, this is goes into, um, I mean, we were talking about TNT movies earlier, uh, like this kind of specific subgenre. And because uh, I feel like this one, yeah, was on TV and cable the most. Oh, yeah. Um, out of far. any of them, I guess that's because it is, you know, has the lightest tone. Kind of makes sense. It was funny that you even said, like, I feel like my dad would love this movie. Yeah. Because uh, it does kind of have even, like, the comedy of it, which we'll get to yeah. here in a bit, like, is, like, kind of, like, yeah, like, this is it's a like movie a that dads would watch Slickers on TNT. kind of, like. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is a movie that dads would watch on TNT. And yeah. there's nothing Back wrong to with the that. future. Nothing wrong with that. No. It's just, like, kind of on your preference of that day. But, like, yeah, it kind of just made it to where this was one of those movies. I'd only catch, like, certain parts of it. And would never finish it or never catch it from the beginning. Just kind of saw it a lot. But, you know, you see probably this, is like, when you think Evil Dead stuff, I feel like most of the stuff you think of comes from the second one. And then, but I'd say probably after the second one, it'd be this one. Because this one has, like, a lot of, like, yeah. the, the comedic quotables, like, a lot of great lines for Ash in this oh, movie. Yeah. Um, so, what, what, how do you feel about this one? Um, I thought it was a good time. Uh. It was really chaotic. It took us a while to recognize Bill Mosley. <laughs> um, yeah, crazy. Even though that is probably my favorite makeup of all of the characters and all of the... Ooh, interesting. Right? Because I like, I like how it's like the top half is something different from the bottom half. Yeah. And like you can kind of see his jaw. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, the skin kind of looks like the, the skin kind of looks like burnt cheese. It does, which is a texture I've never liked. So <laughs> it's a great makeup for this, uh, for the for the deadite captain. Yeah. Oh, he was great. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, not as much as the second one. I think that one has its own flair, but this one had a lot of really good slapstick quality, and there's like. One particular scene that I was saying, like, it's like when there's three miniature Bruce Campbells mm-hmm. running around or however many there were. Uh, yeah. I that, can't do math. <laughs> yeah. But that's when you did say, yeah. like It uh, felt very like 90s cartoon, um, like almost like Bugs Bunny kind of. Mm hmm. Like, yeah. Uh, this one definitely goes, you know, very much into the silliness that, you know, that they brought more of in the second one. But the second one still did have um, lots of lots more horror elements to it. Yes. Um, and oh, then so this one, I mean, one. I mean, besides the deadites being like, you know, skeletons and even in this one, like, you know, the deadites that we're dealing with are like not nearly as like grotesque as like, you know, the ones in the first two movies. So oh, it's yeah. like a lot of the horror is pretty scaled back in this. And this is like kind of just like more adventure even. Yeah, it's um, very adventure heavy. It's like more like Lord of the Rings than a horror movie. Yeah, or like Indiana Jones or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Kind of has that vibe. And um, again, like this is, you know, because people really love this one as well. And it, but it's more specific though. Like, um, you know, the, I feel like the first two, you could kind of show horror fans, like any horror fan, you know, and they'll, you know, at least somewhat enjoy it or appreciate it. But versus this one, it's like, if if it's like, you know, somebody that doesn't really like horror comedies or doesn't like even this specific brand of comedy, you know? Yeah. The very, um, I mean, it's very slapsticky. Mel Brooks kind of. Which, 
I'm not a big fan of. I'm not a big oh, yeah? Mel Brooks, Monty Python. I'm not in. I love it. Like that, that <laughs> style doesn't really do it for me. Um, I mean, I see the appeal sometimes. Um, and I mean, they, we definitely still get like, you know, lots of physical comedy in this one, which is, I mean, just like one of Ash's characteristics, oh, yeah. you know, that's it's... just his kind of trademark. Um, so I still enjoy um, Bruce Campbell throwing himself around. Um, oh, yeah. But like I, I kind of said this in the last film, but it's the same with this. Like, because one, this movie has the most people in it out of. Yeah. Out of like any of the other films, they're all, you know, small contained cast. Yeah. Versus this one has like a whole like little village that he's in. Mm. Again, my favorite parts of this movie is when it's Ash by himself. Like yeah. kind of going crazy in a room, whether it's the scene where like the evil dead eyes, the evil dead camera is banging yeah. itself up against the, the outside the cabin. And it's yeah, like, you know, pushing on all the door. but only on the inside. <laughs> yeah, you did call that out. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And, um, but like those scenes and like the scenes in the cabin with mini, with the miniature ashes or yeah. like evil ash. Like those are my favorite scenes where it's like, like literally just the three books. And it, yeah. The three books with like the, the stretch of stuff like those, those are my favorite moments of this movie is like. I literally only need Bruce yeah, Campbell <laughs> to be on screen and that's it, you know, and I'm good for this movie. Um, I fully agree, though I do appreciate the kind of bromance that was formed between him and the Captain Deadite. Yeah, they, they had like a little bit of a thing going. Yeah, they had like a it was like, yeah, a little like uh, the, the the rivalry that you enjoy. Like, yeah, like kind of one of those. Um, Yeah, definitely had that kind of going a little bit. But but yeah, like, um, I mean, it's just like it's kind of the medieval setting itself. Like, I'm not even aside from this movie. I don't really like medieval. I'm not a sword and sandals kind of person. It's just not really my bag. Well, this isn't sword and sandal, but kind of. But like, yeah, medieval stuff just doesn't really do it for me. Except a Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale does it for everybody. Knight's Tale is one of the greatest films ever made. That movie does it for everybody. It Uh, really does. Paul Bettany, Heath Ledger. That movie is an overload of charm. It really is. That's what I thought about the last time I watched it. I was like, I am overwhelmed by how charming this movie is. Yeah. And I think that goes almost to its detriment with some people, which is why it goes so underrated. No, it totally works. But it works for me, but for some people it might be. Yeah, but um, but that's about as far as I go when it comes to like medieval night kind of stuff. It just doesn't really do it for me. And that's probably because that movie is like, yeah, it's set in medieval times, but they talk like it's modern times. and stuff. Exactly. Like, so it's like it's whatever. But so not saying that I dislike this movie at all, because I definitely don't. There's a lot of uh, really cool things to appreciate about it. Um still has a lot of the calling cards of the Evil Dead movies, even though this one is still so different. Yeah. Um, but it's not not like my favorite of the franchise or anything. Not not the one I'm going to yeah. rewatch. And honestly, it's at the bottom of the yeah. list. But at the bottom of this list is still very is still good. Like exactly, it's not like a list. It's not like Halloween where I don't give a shit after like my fifth ranking in the franchise because there's 12 of them. Don't even get me started. <laughs> my my uh, chaotic ranking don't, that, don't, dumb, that Twitter uh, 
completely Ew. fucking Ew, shat I didn't, on me for. I didn't see your ranking. I'm oh. gonna have to see your ranking compared to mine. But oh, my, mine don't did, look at the comments. My, mine didn't get <laughs> shit on. Um, but don't even get me started on that franchise. You can listen to an episode from last October where we uh-huh. talked the whole Halloween franchise. Haha, I see what I did there. Hey, um, smooth. Talked the whole franchise minus Halloween kills, but. Uh, <laughs> anyways. But yeah, but the this is a very solid franchise, like across the board. Like there to me there's no duds in it. Like, yeah. like no there's not a, a weak part. So even though this is at the bottom, still a very enjoyable film. Um what are some of your favorite aspects of this one? Um, I really enjoy like all of the animatronic stuff, the puppets, the all of the like like you could you could tell they spent a lot of money on this movie. And they used it in a in the proper way. Yeah, I would totally agree there. Um, the the franchise in general has been, you know, they've it's a, a, oh, a yeah. point of strength has been you know practical effects and especially like Sam Raimi using so many different types of media. You know, exactly. like whether it's stop motion or we have puppets or even with the the like tiny ass like stuff, s- like doing like forced perspective stuff, yeah. Like, so many really cool practical film things done. Exactly. So you took that mind and then you gave that mind a budget. And then that's what I think is the strength of this. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and even still in that aspect, they're still saving money on certain practical effects to where even though this didn't get a huge budget, it's still a lot more than Sam Raimi's ever used to. So think exactly. of what someone creative like him. Exactly. He if already... he can do this on Evil Dead 1981, mm-hmm. what can he do yeah. on Um The the previous Evil Dead um, had a $3.5 million budget. So we got basically <laughs> triple the amount that he Jeez. had um, to, wow. to make this one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it you shows. know, and he, you know, saved money in certain aspects where he can. Cause again, like the effects and skeletons aren't like great or anything. No. And they're not trying to be, but they're yeah. good. And then, you know, saves money to where he's like, oh, I want to have a climax where they yes. battle an army of dead eyed skeletons. Exactly. That's what I want in this movie. You know, skeleton wars. I'm not bringing it back to some again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're pulling up all the deep cuts for this one. What? planet is doing what because nostalgia (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's a weird energy right now uh this movie has a weird energy in general too um we will yeah like this one um i i kind of appreciate how the energy the like the like manic franticness of uh of the franchise really gets stepped up in like each movie um, you know, first movie is, you know, a little bit slower at times and like kind of yeah. more um, haunting in a way, like kind of, you know, like the, the camera moves a lot like slower, you know, there's still yeah. certain POV shots, but for the most part, they do a lot more of like lingering on certain things. And then it's like the second movie, they speed it up a little bit. The camera and editing moves a little bit quicker and um you know to keep up with you know the jokes since there's more comedy in it so like yeah. they like kind of ramp it up and then this one exactly this one like the scene where um the witch like comes back to life and while oh, they're eating yeah. dinner 
um, the camera on it is just like flying around the room. Oh, and the yeah. editing is like sped up so much and like it's even gorgeous. so much more than it did in the previous one. Um, yep. So I like that there's been a nice escalation in yep. that aspect. Um, I would I will say I'm disappointed in that scene um, because so there's there's random calling cards throughout all the movies, even though this one is very different. Like, yeah. you know, very small tropes, like how, like, even, like, something as simple as, like, someone's always getting kicked in the face. Yes, exactly. In each movie. And, like, twice it's, like, someone coming up from the cellar, and then this one it was, like, them getting like, kicked off. off of the parapet or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, <laughs> small calling cards like that. But then during that scene is where we get the typical Evil Dead, Deadite monologue scene. Mm, yep, yep, where yep. one of the Deadites is floating in the air. They just spout a bunch of really great lines about eating souls and uh, dying and all that kind of stuff. And like, and and this one is the weakest Deadite monologue. Yeah. It was kind of lame. It was kind of yeah, boring. Yeah, it was pretty lame. But then it did, you know, follow it up with a like little fun little action scene of it just exactly. like flying around the room, like causing mayhem. And then, you know, Ash has to defeat it. But uh, poor Deadite monologue in this one. Yeah. Uh, a little weak sauce compared to the other ones. Because I, I don't know, for some reason, yeah. I really like those scenes in these movies where it's like, yeah. you know it's coming, they're going to float in the air, and they just like say all these like really cool lines. Exactly. And like, and like, you know, it's like when you get like a good look at their makeup and like all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's interesting. Like the like little calling cards of the franchise that like still exactly. pop up in this one. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it benefits like keeping the same team with like a lot of franchises by the third movie you're onto a fully different director, maybe mm-hmm. a team of writers and uh sticking with like the same guy who like knows what to like keep as a through motion. Yeah. I mean Is that a word? That's not a word. A, a through line. <laughs> through line. There we yeah. go. Um, but yeah, like, cause I mean, that's part of the reason I like talking franchises on this show to like, kind of damn planes <laughs> to, to kind of like, I liked looking at a franchise, like a, like a map and like, if every do things connect in interesting ways, but like not in predictable ways, you know, and stuff like that. Or like, do they keep the same crew? Do they, you know what? Exactly. And so it's like really of the franchises that we've talked on the show, a lot the the better ones are the ones that have like a more core creative group um because we did uh the child's play chucky movies which you know don mancini is the writer of all of them directs half of them so it's like you have his consistent voice throughout even though those movies are very different then um, exactly and then when we did paranormal activity Oh, that's always them, different, isn't it? They a lot of them have different directors, but Christopher B. Landon, yep, uh, director of Freaky and other things, was a writer for three through six. Oh, so he was around for a good chunk of yeah, it. Yeah, so think, he had like a little. Yeah, like because the first one was like a one man band type thing, like yeah. just like one guy did all More of it. Hell, yeah, yeah, and then. The writers of two stayed on with Chris for like a good number of them. So, you know, but then again, you have like then the Halloween franchise where it's 
all different directors, a bunch of nobody directors for the most part. You know, these like kind of TV director, hired gun type people. Hey, I will protect Rick Rosenthal with all of my No, there's exceptions, obviously, like Rick Rosenthal, (laughs) exceptions. But um, but yeah, in typical case, it works out better for the franchise when there's a consistent creative voice behind it. Exactly. And it it sucks that it's just harder to get these days specifically, you know? Yeah. I think it's become more and more of a phenomenon lately. And I think it might be like a money thing, honestly. Like, I mean, the only, I mean, Saw, you know, kind of bounced around. It had a few of the same directors for like a few of the movies. A lot of the same writers stuck around, a lot of the same makeup people. Um, but then, like, the most recent would be James Wan, but then now he's, I guess, done at least directing oh. Conjuring movies because he passed off the third one. Yeah, that was exactly. the first time he, so, you know, so looks like he's kind of done with that as well. Um, you know, so it's like we just don't really have many um, yeah. directors that are, like, you know, sticking with their thing and just, like, riding along with it. Except Don Mancini's still riding. <laughs> We have a TV show now. I love him so much. I love him too. <laughs> He's um, so wonderful. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, not only, you know, to talk about the uh, mechanics of the franchise, but we I do want to uh, talk some of the uh, subgenre stuff going on in this movie, um, which we kind of just touched on a little bit ago is like, you know, obviously like it's still you know horror just because of like the nature of you know it's this book yeah book of book of demons that are trying to devour souls and we got skeletons we got exactly. nasty we got monsters in this one um which is interesting you know we in the first two you know yeah. the deadites are just possessed people but in this one we actually get well yeah. in the second one well it kind of turns into like a creature yeah like more creature monster esp in this one we it's, have like a actual winged deadite and exactly like other stuff so i mean there's still horror stuff uh to be had in this one and again like um the deadites are very different in this so it's like not as much very. not as much in the zombie camp but they're just like kind of ghoulish skeletons with with some monster stuff though so we do get some like a little creature feature action skeletons are just boneless well, zombies <laughs> or the opposite of boneless well, they're, zombies. They're it's meatless like, zombies. Uh, so it's like a, a Cause they're boneless buffalo wing yeah. is a zombie, but a regular buffalo wing is a skeleton. I don't know. I'm not. In terms of animated it. skeletons. Yeah. I'd say, yeah. You're, <laughs> I'd say you're on the right track there. <laughs> um, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no. We're just very high. That's a, there's a difference. There's a big <laughs> difference. My brain is regularly. <laughs> um, but so, and obviously we have, um, you know, the period piece aspect of this movie. Um, does that work for you? And like, what are some other subgenre stuff that you like see in this? Um, I like the period piece stuff because a lot of it is just so absolutely absurd. Like I'm thinking of the scene with the fucking chemistry 101 textbook <laughs> that has a page that just says explosions. Explosives. <laughs> How to chemistry 101 a explosive device. And he's like showing fucking Galileo this shit and Galileo is like... He, 
I mean, I, it's not literally Galileo, but, but, but like, the wise men of this village. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, like the founders of modern science. He's like, I'm going <laughs> to teach you some real shit. And it's, yeah, it's like, you know, freshman nope, level. I made this up. <laughs> fre- freshman level college textbook, uh, like, chemistry 101. Pretty great. Like this law was named after me. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we did also mention that this was kind of more adventure Oh, e- yeah. Even though it does. It, it feels more adventure in, like, I guess the tone as far as subgenre goes. But, like, this movie also, like, when you think about it, doesn't have a lot of action going on. Well, it has a few, a few, like, kung fu style fight scenes. Like, especially towards the beginning. But that's it. Yeah. Like, we don't have Sword as, fights. And yeah, we don't have as many, like, set pieces. Like, horror yes. set pieces specifically. But just not as much because, I mean, obviously, like, you know, who knows how much money had to go into that final battle scene. Um, Where do we draw the line? How many killers does it have to be to go from horror to a war drama? How many how many assailants? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, yeah, because it's pretty much the same concept. I mean, it's just on a larger scale. I mean, there definitely are some some war film oh, yeah. elements here because, like, you know, we have the the village that Ash lands in is at war with some other village, and that other village has been using the Necronomicon to do, like, yeah. black magic and raise an army of skellies and all that jazz. And, um... But yeah, so I didn't really, I didn't really think about that aspect because then they think that Ash is from, yeah. you know, with that the the other army exactly um, yeah speaking of the the i just thought about this randomly i mean it makes sense because the dead eye captain was played by bill mostly but like it's the most a dead eye like actually like talking like oh, a nor- yeah. like a normal person yes like having not a just normal saying conversation yeah like having oh. conversations not just like saying random shit or screaming yeah, trying to be inflammatory or egging someone along or yeah uh i i think i i can't remember. i think it was the second or like last episode or the episode before but i said like the deadites one of their main weapons is gaslighting yeah exactly <laughs> exactly or like being very nonsensical like um the like the i assume it's a deadite that like kind of cloned um ash after the miniature scene oh yeah it's like just like hurling like playground insults yeah he's (laughs) like you're a mean guy or some shit and i'm like bro (laughs) bro yeah straight up like some like schoolyard bullshit (laughs) and you know, and I, I have more theory on that here in a minute when I get to... Oh, I'm excited. When I get to to the theory stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of that. Um, the, the humor definitely feels a little bit more... I won't say juvenile, but do you think this movie, even though I'm pretty sure it's still rated R because of like the blood and like all that kind of stuff, but were they still like, I don't know, were they trying to make this more accessible? Do you think? I think, yeah, it was, it felt very like blockbustery, like 90s blockbuster mm, kind mm-hmm. of Steven Spielberg uh, 
situation where mm-hmm. some are going out to see uh, Jurassic Park or whatever. Yeah. Hook or I don't know. Well, now I wonder, is this rated R or did it get lowered to PG-13? Um, it very, I don't know. Hmm. Very. Because there was no nudity, that, right? Did anyone get any of this one? No. No, there's no nudity. The only thing I would think of is just for like the amount of blood, but then does that also make it like comical and then not as scary? Yeah, and do they count the blood if it's like part of the skeleton's composure? Like it's not not a result of of a wound. Well, I was thinking of the the blood from the pit. Oh, yes, the blood from the pit. Which, great scene. I, of course, love my scenes of just buckets of buckets of blood not this is probably still the least bloody yeah. of of the trilogy or of the of the franchise of the four movies uh, yeah the easily bloody. that was great and yeah. again maybe and i guess that's probably why it plays on tv so much more that i feel like that scene probably gets cut for tv though yeah just because of that blood so that they can maintain or at like least a the TV length of 14 it. or whatever or at least the length of it, like yes. how long it's like spraying out from yes. from the pit. Exactly. Yeah, could be. But um, let's let's talk about um, of course our our um protagonist, Mr. Ashley Williams. Well, he's just Ash Williams now. After two, you know, did you notice that? In in two, they don't call him Ashley once. He's just Ash. Save that for my theory later. Um, Saved it. Right in my memory bank. But um but yeah, Ash somebody robbed it, but So it's funny because obviously the events of these movies are supposed to happen like, I don't know, within a couple of days of each other, you know? Yes. Because Evil Dead Two is, you know, I guess the start of the story, quote unquote. Yeah. Whatever. Um so it's supposed to be just like a, a few days, you know, that he's dealing with like that shit and then get sucked into the medieval times. And um and it's just funny because just like as the three movies have went along, even though Ash has been going through like so much shit over the movies, he just keeps getting better looking. Yeah, it's it's because Bruce unfair. Campbell Bruce Campbell really mature had to mature into his chin. Absolutely, and, and he was very baby faced in the first one. Compared, oh, super baby face, uh, super baby face. He had like you know, like a weird haircut, and then, like, <laughs> and then like you know, and then he 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 looked a little more mature in Evil Dead too. But I mean, like, oh yeah, I'd say this is the hottest Ash of I the agree. franchise. I agree. This is peak Ash. Like he looks damn good. Like his like just like oh, hair, yeah. hair on point, the scars, the chin. Um he just looks really good in this movie. He does. He does. He's very like soft boy in the first one. Mhm. And then like now he's like I am a grown man. I have traveled the world. Yeah, and it well it's interesting, you know, the the evolution of Ash throughout these movies. And, you know, so now in this one, you know, he, even though he still bumbles around from time to time because it's Ash, he has to bumble around. Um, He has to look stupid at certain points because he's Ash and that's why we love him. Yeah. But this one, he definitely like kicks the most ass. He's the most confident because, you know, he's. Oh, yeah. Once he like figures out that he's, you know, back in time. Um, yeah, and everything, but then like realizes he feels he the can... most in control of the narrative. Yeah, which is yeah, very interesting. 
um, because so I guess we can get into theory stuff. So since I don't know if you got to it in uh, when you were listening to last episode that this that that Evil Dead Two was a bad dream after he got knocked out after the events of Evil Dead One, and then Evil Dead yeah. Two is a dream, is a fever dream. It's him remembering things the way he wants to remember it, how he thinks yeah. of himself, thinks of himself more confident. Yeah. And, you know, not as a soft boy like he is in the first one because that's a totally different Ash. Oh, yeah. And then so this one, I was like going into it. I was like, okay, this is just like a second level of the dream Mm. is kind of what I thought. But then I was like, no, I don't think that's it. And this like kind of I mentioned um, May from Nick Spheres on uh, YouTube. They had a theory. Um, they did a whole video that evil, and then like saying that like Evil Dead Two um, was a was him telling a story at a bar. Mm, yeah, yeah, that okay. tracks. And, and like you know, the apparently yeah. the opening of Ash vs. the Evil Dead opens with him telling a woman a story in yeah. a bar, so that way you can get laid. Um, about like what happened to his hand. Yeah, exactly. So, I feel like there's holes in both of our theories. Mm. One is the hand. Yeah. Which I surmise that maybe uh, for the story about the bar, he, like, wanted to commit to the bit a little too hard. (laughs) (laughs) And decided... um, Yeah, decided to... Too many people were asking, what about your hand? (laughs) Yeah. And he still had him. Because he's telling the story. Yeah. yeah. But um, so my to to explain that would be if he's having a bad dream in Evil Dead 2 that he's so delirious at the cabin that in his sleep he cut his hand off. Meh. Shoulder shrug. Close enough. Yeah. like a- <laughs> That's the best I could come up with as a uh, reason. But. So, and then and then we also have the grocery store stuff. Yes, with Ted which Ramey. puts a which <laughs> puts a wrench in 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 my theory. Depending on where the grocery store stuff is in the timeline, because this is supposed to be later after arm after him going to medieval times yeah. and also the cabin. So, what I'm thinking now is Evil mm-hmm. Dead Two was a bad dream. Okay. But then after that, he, you know, went crazy for a little bit. Maybe was, you know, recluse. Yeah, obviously didn't go back to college if he had to go work at S-Mart. Yeah. I don't, well. Well, in today's well, day, you could be working at say. S-Mart with a <laughs> master's degree. But, but back in the Bush administration. <laughs> or I, sorry, uh, Clinton administration. I can't even count years. <laughs> Well, technically, Ash is from the 80s. Yeah, but... Even though Army of Darkness came out in the 90s. Unless him telling the story is him in the 90s telling the story. So maybe there's only like a like six or seven year gap hmm. between what happened in the cabin and then him now at S-Mart. So Evil True. Dead 2 was a bad dream. And then, and then I think uh, Army of Darkness is him just telling a story to his friend yeah. at the at the mart. Yeah, so Army of Darkness right. didn't actually happen. No. Evil no. Dead 2 
is just the exaggerated version of what happened in Evil Dead 1. So the only thing that's really think, happened is Evil Dead 1, in my mind. Do you think that maybe he's telling this story because Army of Darkness has such a much less frightening, lighter tone, it's a trauma response, and he's telling yes. this story because he's so traumatized by the actual events that he wants to create in his head a series of events that's much less traumatic that he doesn't have to behead his girlfriend that would explain the, the tonal cha- that would ex- <laughs> no that would explain the tonal shift of this movie that explains it perfectly Thank see you. okay yeah we, i'm th- smart okay the theory makes sense guys everything um, is heard, trauma that's you my heard brand. it here first <laughs> i mean i think there is something to say about like you know like again like you know in my theory, Evil Dead 2 being a bad dream is still kind of a trauma response, too. Because yeah. in that one, yeah, everybody dies, but he, like, you know, still kicks the Evil Dead's ass in that yes, one. exactly. You know, so he's a little bit better, and in Evil Dead 2 is, like, where he's this version of Ash, where he's, like, exactly. very confident. And, and maybe because he couldn't, like, fully defeat everything into his his second brains yeah like yeah like so that's like his first attempt at creating a different narrative um and the attempt failed so then he had to go more elaborate with yeah because evil dead 2 is him having a bad dream with like more guilt yeah so now this one is him trying to cover the trauma and the guilt up by being like oh well i went i went back in time and i saved a whole village and beat the deadites back there exactly (laughs) you know so it, it explains why there's different tonal differences between the movies, but also like these very distinct different versions of Ash as well. Yes, exactly. Interesting. I mean, because he it, does become more and more heroic as the trilogy goes, because in the first one, he's very cowardly, extremely cowardly. I mean, there are several scenes where like Scott's kind of defending someone and Ash is in the corner, like, shell shocked and uh then you get to two and you know he is fighting but he's not as as grand of a uh warrior as in three. yeah yeah because in this one i mean he's he's kicking butt he's in his power you know he's kicking multiple people's butts at the same time obviously he's got them outmatched with the sawed off shotgun and the chainsaw which do love there there's some comedic scenes that do really work for me yes. and one of them is him describing the shotgun <laughs> where to find it in S Smart. In S Smart. <laughs> Why would he be telling them where to find an S Smart if exactly. he wasn't telling the story to a person at S Smart right that moment? Exactly. But I just find that like very funny. He's like explaining all the very specific things about this gun that they have no idea about. But how much it costs, what it aisle costs, to find it Which in. aisle discounts, like, all, so that, that comedic scene actually really does work for me. Yeah. And then um, I do love, again, like that other, that other moment after, um, after he battles with the witch for a little bit and then um, shoots her over his shoulder and then he like does this like lifts the gun over his head and like brings it down slowly and like exhales and like get, <laughs> like it's like it's like the shit that guys do when they're like after they're like done like squatting or bench yeah, pressing exactly. or something they're like pumped up about it. It's so funny. Like just like takes this like deep sigh, and makes this like very serious face. Like I am the shit. 
can beat anything in this world. And it's just like uber confidence through the roof. Um, love that moment. Some great lines in this movie, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, very snappy dialogue. Yeah, very, very snappy. Very, um, you know, we have this stuff like, you know, uh, your shoelaces untied before he, like, you know, punches <laughs> the, the king in the face. Pretty funny. So good. Uh, good guy, bad guy. I'm the guy with the gun. Great exactly. line. Um, uh, people do love the uh, give me some sugar baby line. Yeah. It's a it's an okay line. It's delivered well. But then I was like, mm. I was like, in this scene, he insults Sheila about being a woman and not knowing things. Exactly. Um, he says, uh, what does he say? Something before? about the horse blanket. Oh, yeah. She, <laughs> okay, that line is perfect asshole-ish, though. That was really funny. She's like, I made you this. He goes, thanks. I could use a good horse blanket. <laughs> and then she slaps him. And then after being slapped, he just grabs her by the shoulder and then kisses her. Ash Williams canceled? Question mark. <laughs> Me too, Ash Williams. <laughs> I think if there's anybody that could, like, I would, you know, hope to never get me to. It's Bruce Campbell. I mean, look yeah, at it. Look at that but guy. But now it, we're kind of jinxing it. I'm knocking on wood. <laughs> no. Be a good guy. <laughs> be a great guy. Please no. be a decent person. But, um, I don't know. Just a kind of funny lead into that line. Because for some because I've always known that line, and I figured that was, like, the line he said, like, when he, like, kisses her after, like, saving her at the end of the movie. This is, like, the second time yeah. meeting her. They weren't that into each other that it no. just it felt so disjointed. Like it felt like they were going for like princess bride vibes, but like they were like, you know, like casually flirting like on and off, but they weren't they they didn't have much going on romantically. Well, and you know, it's yeah, they don't share many like scenes together and at the end, like they're supposed to like, you know, it's supposed to be like, Oh, I left her, but we loved each other. And I think, um, you know, if anything, to go along with the theory here, if this is a trauma response story, then it'd be that he's like, because like in the other two movies, he's very much in love with Linda. Yeah. Like even the second one, he's still having this like guilt about Linda. Exactly. Um, you know, like yeah. having to die and like, or again, possessed on him having to kill her. He's still tore up about it in the second movie. Oh, yeah. But then this one. He's making up the story and telling somebody, and he's not going to tell somebody, like, oh, I was feeling this guilt for my dead girlfriend. Like, no, that's <laughs> not cool. What's cool is saving it's is, not cool to is talk getting. about your dead girlfriend. No, it's cool to, to, you know, beat a bunch of skeletons and then save the, the fair maiden and exactly. then ride away off in the sunset. No, that's cool. So he acts like he's over Linda in this movie. And he's really trying to impress Ted Raimi. <laughs> and really trying to impress Ted Raimi. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, I would say it, that would be the only narrative reason that why Sheila is in here. But also, um, but also why she's, like, not very relevant either. Yeah. Like, there's one scene, like, she doesn't even have a line. They just do a close-up on her, like, breathing. That's how, like... <laughs> That's how not relevant Sheila is to this literally, movie. <laughs> literally. And that makes sense when you put it in the perspective of like the trauma response. Cause like, it's just this random person he made up. He's not going to put too much 
he's not gonna invest in it too much it, until until at the end where there's like a moment yeah. where he's after they like made the car after they made the delta like into this like machine like killing machine like type thing is riding and then one of the deadites turns into turns into sheila yeah and then he's like oh no it's like ash you barely know this bitch for one Two, yeah. you know what deadites do. You know they're pulling the fucking mind game shit on exactly. you. And you still fell for it, even though you don't even know this girl or care for her very He's much. He's an idiot. <laughs> He's an idiot. It is Ash we're talking about here. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good things to appreciate in this movie. Again, um, is it for me, for like, especially like my brand of comedy or the things that I like? In the franchise, I like the more horror-esque things. Yeah. Um, so this one does not do it as much for me, but I know people yeah, that I like absolutely love it, though. Oh, yeah. There's a huge, huge populace that really enjoys this movie. Um, it's like the, the, the humor in it I can tolerate and I can watch and I can shut my brain off, but I'm mm. not going to really like sit there and like crack up laughing, you know? Um but not bad. It's just not my first choice. Yeah, it's n- not my first choice. But does it pass the channel surfing test? If you're flicking through with nothing to see, watch, and this pops on, do you stop and watch it? Yeah, probably. I'd say, I'd, I'd say yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, oh, Army of Darkness is on. All right, I'll, yeah. I'll watch. I'll watch the I'll rest of there. this. I watch the rest of this exactly, and I always hop in after the after the skeletons, so I forget literally everything else <laughs> besides the skeletons. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. For some reason, that's always what I would think of too. I would, oh, I feel like I always came in during the pit scene. Yeah, that because I, I did yeah. have memory of the pit scene. Um, but yeah, I think that's where I was trapped in. So it, it's not the best, but it will make me stop stop and watch it and exactly and walk away during the commercials it's all good um but yeah so we still have one more movie left to talk about in um this franchise but before we get to the end of this episode um uh, so in the episode with emily we pitched um we pitched holiday versions of the evil dead and then, obviously, Army of Darkness was a medieval period piece for Sam Raimi. So, what would be another time period for an Evil Dead period piece? I think I would like it to be around, um, you know, I think it would be a lot of fun to see kind of like a, almost like a Dracula or Blair Bathory, like, whatever hundreds era in Transylvania specifically, like a vampire crossover. Oh, like a, like a Victorian? Yeah, like a Victorian, Ooh. Romanian something. Ooh, a, a Victorian Evil Dead all set in a giant castle. Yeah. Like a like Gothic-style castle. I could get behind that. Right? Because like, I feel like vampires and deadites are close brethren. Mm. It could yeah. be like a nice little fight. Like if you're if we're going more towards the aspect of like Army of the Dead, where we're doing like more actiony, adventury kind of battles, it could have like yeah. And you know, I think that could be interesting because I feel like there would be vampire variants of deadites, considering oh, yeah. deadites like 
now can take all sorts of different forms. They oh, yeah, can they're skeletons. They can be possessed people. They could be skeletons. They could they be full blown monsters. Yeah, yeah, winged monsters. So it's like I feel like there would be a ver- a deadite variant of oh, vampires. Yeah. You have a deadite Wendigo. You have a deadite Jersey Devil. You got like every Mothman is deadite. Yeah. So I'm trying. Ooh, could, <laughs> I'm trying really hard. <laughs> I could I could really get behind uh, Victorian Evil Dead. It would yeah. uh, feel a little bit more spooky. Um, yeah. And yeah, like ooh, I could get into that. All right. Um, I have two options. One that would be a little bit more fun, I suppose, and then one that would not be fun for anybody. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, it's not that bad. I, I I played that up a little dramatically. So one idea would be like. In the near future, but like not like super future, but like fifty years or so into the future. Okay. Um. Basically, it would be Idiocracy, mm-hmm. but Evil Dead. Have you seen Idiocracy? Yeah. So it basically be like that. Yeah. Ash gets put into a cryo chamber, or goes into a long coma or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. And then he comes out. You know, in the future. Mm. And then, so this one, but it would kind of be like idiocracy. Like, we're not super advanced in the future. We're kind of dumber. And, like, things are advanced, but we're a little dumber, though, also. And just, like, uh, you know, consumed by media and stuff. And then you have Ash, like, you know, old school dad rock Ash Mm -hmm. coming into this world. and And then dealing with the deadites. I don't know how... He'd be dealing with the deadites, but that's one option. the the least The less fun option would be <laughs> um, Evil Dead in the nineteen thirties. Okay, like during the Dust Bowl. Oh my gosh! And I think it would be pretty like gnarly if it was like just like you know like a farmhouse family. Oh my out in God. the middle of fucking Oklahoma or some shit. Some little farmhouse family, and then they just get (laughs) absolutely terrorized. Like, this is, like, serious. That's actually sad. This is serious. That's, like, borderline depressing. They're already dealing with dust bullshit. Yeah. They're already all depressed. Oh, my God. So they are are weak targets for the deadites. It's just cruel to the characters. This would be a very... (laughs) (laughs) That's horrible. Okay. I I feel like... It's not Gone with the Wind, because Gone with the Wind is something No, it's, it's... There's this other book. I don't know if you ever had to read it. In elementary school, there's this movie oh, that uh, we read in elementary school. Grapes of Wrath? No. So, it's set in the Dust Bowl times, and it has... It's, like, about this family, and the main character is a daughter, I believe, and they're, like, dealing with Dust Bowl shit, and then the mom is pregnant, mm. but then... The girl, the daughter, accidentally throws hot grease on the mom and, like, Mm -hmm. burns her super bad. Oh. And then, but they can't, like, go to, like, a hospital or whatever. So they, like, have the mom, like, in a tent. And they have to, like, like, feed her water through wet towels. And she's also, like, just, like, screaming in pain. And she's also pregnant. Yeah. Do you know that fucking book? I, I don't know why we don't. read it in elementary because that made me just like so sounds, upset. Right? That sounds like way too early it, to be reading something like that. This was in like third grade. What? It was, do you know the name of this book? Like, I'm, I'm gonna, pretty sure Dust is in the name. 
Um, Something, I don't know, but like I just have vivid memories of reading this out loud. Uh, You have a burnt up pregnant mom in a tent with third degree burns just screaming all the time. Hmm. I'm pretty sure the baby dies. I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm googling Dust Bowl baby dies book. Burnt mom. <laughs> oh my god, stop. Type in burnt mom. I don't know. Baby dies. But that would essentially be this movie, the level of like sad meanness. This is the witch but evil dead during the Dust Bowl. Like said during the dust. Man, that is so fucked up. Man, I can't. Out of the dust? Out of the dust! (laughs) It actually... (laughs) There's, like, children's reviews of this, so apparently it's, like, a kid's... It is a kid's book, but that's what happens in the book. It has a burnt-up pregnant mom that's, like, dying because she has third-degree burns. (laughs) What? Or maybe the baby survives and the mom dies. One One of them dies. Oh, my God. And it's super sad and has, like, scary imagery in it. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> you're not of, even kidding. Yeah. One day while Billy dust. Joe's pregnant mother is making breakfast, her father leaves a pail of kerosene next to the stove and then goes out to the fields. Her mother picks up the pail, mistakenly thinking it as water, and makes a rope of fire. Screaming to her husband, Billy Joe's mother runs out to the fields with Billy Joe behind her, thinking the house may catch on fire. Billy Joe goes back inside and throws the kerosene out the door. Unfortunately, her mother is running back to the house, and Billy Joe ends up throwing the can of kerosene on her mother's apron, lighting her on fire. Yes, and Billy Joe burns her hands real bad. That's like another thing. She has like pain because her fucking hands are burnt to shit. Oh, my God. I read that in, like, third grade. (laughs) What the fuck? Are you okay? You should deserve free therapy for that. Call up your teacher. (laughs) That's just one of those ones I just thought of it today. I was like, that was a fucked up book we read. What the hell? (laughs) But uh, that's what my Evil Dead 1930s Dust Bowl, it would be just mean I think this is just a projection of your trauma response, not Ash's, yours, (laughs) to reading this book. It's something. Hey, let me deal, okay? Let me process this. So, uh, so yeah, those are my options for a fun Evil Dead movie and a not very fun <laughs> Evil Dead movie. Um, but a- as we get into next week's episode, um, I like the not fun versions, but more of that uh, here soon. But Sloan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you coming and coming and watching some movies with me. We also experienced uh, Titan together. and Oh, that was quite a film. That was quite a film. I'm sure might talk about that on the podcast at some point. I, I, I've been thinking about it a lot ever since. Cal is just army crawling under he is, the He's cow. trying so bad to get away. <laughs> oh, Cal. He's uh, been super puppy mode today. But um, Sloan, what are you working on? Where can the people find you? Um, I can always be found on Twitter at Pierogi Witch. Uh, that's P-I-E-R-O-G-I-W-I-T-C-H. Uh, like the food and the what I am. Um, <laughs> uh, I am also currently 
putting up some reviews, uh, belated reviews from Nightstream on uh, my blog, welcome to cinemaland.com. Um, not doing that much else lately, but hopefully soon we'll have some more things on their way. I have a weekly room in Clubhouse every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific time, which is 5 p.m. Eastern time. So I have that room where we discuss horror journalism. Uh, we have a few uh, people that are regulars that come and talk, like Steve Barton, who's formerly of uh, Dread Central. He's there. Um, our friend Rabia, who uh, writes for her own blog, uh, she's always there. There's a few other regulars that come in nice. and out, and uh, we answer questions. We talk about different journalism-related topics. It's on Clubhouse. Nice. Yeah, I know um, Clubhouse has been another... Uh, interesting avenue for um you know a lot of the horror creators you know people talking journalism making movies through it all sorts of cool stuff so yeah i will make sure to have uh links to sloan socials in the description so you can go follow them um but yeah we have oh (laughs) i now i remember what i need to announce this was episode 49 next episode is 50 Whoa. Yeah, 50 episodes. Um, I should have made it to this mark um, a lot sooner. I, I, I was on hiatus during like what would have been like the one year of the podcast, but that's okay. We still get to celebrate uh, 50 episodes. Um, I'm, Huge. You Huge. know, glad to um, be back in a swing of it for that. So next episode actually will not be on um, the 2013 Evil Dead. That will come next Next Tuesday. Yeah, next Tuesday. <laughs> that will come next Tuesday. The 50th episode is going to come on Friday, actually. Um, we get two episodes this week. So the Friday episode will be... Um, so the 50th episode on Friday will actually be a panel discussion of um, a bunch of movies where we will determine, because we make decisions like this, what is or is not a horror movie. Whoa. Some of those, you know, those debated ones, you know, we talk Silence of the Lambs. Jaws. We talk Jaws in there. Um, there's a, Jaws uh, is a horror so movie. So we're going we're gonna to go down a slew of movies that are highly debated upon <laughs> and um, give our thoughts on whether they are horror or not. Um, that episode will feature three guests on it. Um, these are all guests that have been on the show before. But I will uh, keep it a secret on which ones uh, until you guys hear the episode. Also, because I don't have that list in front of me. (laughs) All good in the hood. Speaking of good, Daddy has a favor. If you guys like what you are hearing on the show, please go into your podcast player, preferably Apple Podcasts, and rate it five stars. Write a nice little review. It doesn't just help me and my ego sleep at night. I am trying to get this show into more people's ear holes. That sounds gross, but I mean it in a good way. Um, I am happy that the podcast is up and going again, but I did take a hiatus for a long time, and I want more people to rediscover the show or discover it for the first time. So if you would just do me a big solid, go on there, write a nice roll review, and uh, I, I would very much appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate you listening. 
But that will go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday, except for this week, where we'll have one on Friday because we are partying for the 50th episode of the podcast. Super excited. And then we will finish out the Evil Dead franchise next Tuesday. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco. And follow the podcast at Bloody Blunt CC on Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, guys, stay lifted. <laughs>